Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of trees. And I'm joined by Meredith. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. I have a question for you, Meredith. Yes. Did you think that the strike would still be going on at this point? I did not. I thought that once the WGA... Excuse me. I'm allergic to to labor violations. Uh, (laughs) I did really think that once the WGA reached a deal that SAG-AFTRA would find a way to convince the studios to give them what they want. So. Yeah, I I think everybody's going to start sweating if they don't have an agreement by Thanksgiving. Because, yeah. and I'm sure you know this, Meredith, but in case anybody out there does not know this, um, Hollywood shuts down starting Thanksgiving. And people don't come back until February sometimes. Yeah. Um. So they're going to be in a lot of trouble if they don't have an agreement by Thanksgiving because everything takes so long to go into production. This isn't a matter of everything just getting bumped as long as the strike took. These are delays now that will start accumulating for years. Right. And even though writers can be back working on projects and producers can be working with them and they might have directors without actors who in many cases have all of those, hold all of those roles. Yeah, the logjam is going to be intense. And there's just not a whole lot of stuff sitting in their vaults waiting to be uh, put out. No, and they are like pretending to be cool. They are not cool. They don't have enough content to, to not lose money eventually. Netflix just put out these numbers where they're like, look at how much money we made, even though there's a strike going on. And it's like, yeah, assholes, there's going to be a delay before you start losing money. But you will definitely start losing money eventually because you don't got no fucking content, you idiots. Yeah. How do you think and, you can make your fucking money? Um, and, uh, you know, these are still people who have been just because the SAG strike started later than the WGA strike doesn't right. mean that the people who are most affected by the SAG strike aren't suffering immensely already. Oh, um, yeah. These yeah, are and, and people let's who remember, are, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's remember that, like, the A-listers are a tiny fraction of a fraction of a fraction of who is on strike right now. The vast, vast majority of actors on strike like could start losing their homes, could start not being able to pay rent. Um, already, I've seen many, many actors who rely on the food trucks that, you know, people have very generously purchased for the striking workers. Um, you know, Drew Carey. I mean, how many people did Drew Carey save during the strike? Uh, oh, paying for meals? I mean, so many. Yeah, like this actually matters because these things have real life consequences. These are not a bunch of spoiled actors saying like, I'd like caviar with every meal. You know, these are people who can't pay rent. And this is also part of one of the other really bad signs is that the there was a proposal this week from some of the most successful actors in the world. I want to talk about this. (laughs) Uh, That seems to have gone nowhere. Yeah, surprise. Despite these extremely famous, extremely wealthy people, like like George Clooney, Scarlett Johansson level of successful and rich. 
I thought this was a weird fucking move. Uh, um, donate, like offering, what was it, $150 million? Yeah, to, for something that has paying- nothing to do with why they're striking, which was so odd. It was sort of like, if we just throw a bunch of money at this, can we make it go away? And it's like, no, because you're not addressing the central issues for right. why they're striking, which was very frustrating because it seemed like a group of rich people who were like, can we just put this union stuff aside and get like the real players in a room together? And it's like, hey, fuck you. You still need to consult with your union. Like, what is this weird sort of like rich person's VIP club within the union? I mean, they were kind of saying, well, we can, we'll take some, of, we'll give up some of our enormous amounts of money in order to help in this, like these few ways that I think are sort of like lower down on the list of things. They are. That's the thing. Those are not the major reasons that they're on strike, which is why so many of the, you know, SAG members were like, what are you doing? Like, are you discussing AI in this room? No, then you're not helping us. But it also is like, okay, yes, well, it's good that you are saying it's important for people who are the last on the call sheet to get paid out first because sure, they that's probably like need a, that money more. Like, that's yeah. a useful thing. However, it's not going to solve the AI issue or the fact right. that people have been already scanned so that they can be perpetual background actors. <laughs> There's still, I mean, the thing that is so wild about the AI stuff is, and the reason that like producers don't want to cave on that is they've been doing it forever and they are still currently doing it. Like they were doing it with the Gladiator uh, sequel that's coming out. They were scanning extras and they were like, oh, so we shouldn't be doing this. (laughs) You guys are furious we're doing this? Interesting, because we have been doing it for years. So it's already like part of the model of how they do things. So they really, really don't want to pay a bunch of actors if they don't have to. So that's why that's one of the issues that they just keep walking away from the table over, because they would have to pay. And they really, really don't want to do that. Um, But yeah, I thought that was a fucking weird move by like a handful of Richie's. Yeah. Very strange. And also these are, it's the sort of thing where, all right, well, you found a way to get people commit to giving $150 million away. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just give that money to yeah. people? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, or like pull a Drew Carey. Like, okay, you have all this money, pay for lunch for everybody as long as the strike lasts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hell, like The Rock, who I think gave, they didn't actually say how much he, money he gave, but I know that... um whoever it was that was in charge of the the fund, it was like specifically to the support fund. Yeah. I think it was like $10 million, you know, I mean, good amount of money. You can do this. Yeah. You absolutely can do this. You have the funds to do this. You won't miss this money because you're so fucking rich. Um, But yeah, I would just say, you know, everybody's bemoaning all of these delays. I think we should all be braced for like several waves of delays. So like, I would not be surprised if Dune, Dune's scheduled for March right now, would not be surprised if they kick it all the way back to November. So it's like a full year um, delay. Oh, that would that not would surprise me at all. Very brutal too. It would be brutal, but also I'm kind of like, you got to do what you got to do. At this point, I'm like, they're so far in at this point. I'm like, Whatever. Whatever you guys need to do. They've already uh, delayed Deadpool, which was not supposed to come out until May. And of course, this is, we've seen what happens when movies can't get support. I mean, movies are sinking 
because there's no promotion going on. And it, it still feels insane to me that people don't just know there's a movie coming out and go to it. But of course, <laughs> you and I are not normal. We're um, very weird. I've, <laughs> I've learned that now that yeah. I'm like deep in this stuff. I'm like, oh, y'all don't um, just follow movie news. That's yeah. interesting. You guys okay. aren't, you don't have a detailed calendar of release dates <laughs> release that dates. starts like that's six months ahead at all times. Oh, uh, I not guess- just release dates, but like <laughs> press conferences, like weird shit. Yeah. yeah. I, I oh, do want to give it. I do want to give it up to uh, Marty, who's been doing the heavy lifting, promoting Killers of the Flower Moon, because his actors cannot promote it. So he is fucking everywhere. He is on TikTok with Francesca. He is in these streets telling everybody, hey, I got a really good movie out. You should go see it. So I just want to give him flowers because um, he's not a young man. And not only did he, we're going to talk about it in a second, guys. not only did he direct a fucking masterpiece, he is now hustling out there. Oh, yeah. This is a guy who recognizes that if he loves cinema and he loves being someone who can bring it to the people, his job is to go out and talk it up and flog that shit everywhere he can. Also, he's delightful and a national fucking treasure. So, of course, it's I pretty easy for people to, you know, it, it makes sense. It's nice. But... It's definitely a little bit odd to have Martin Scorsese out here saying, like, talking about his relationship to his longtime editor, Thelma Schoonmacher, and that's all we have. <laughs> I know. Um, I mean, it's great so, for me, but oh my god, I can't imagine how happy Leo is that he doesn't have to promote a film. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> like, he must just be so happy. I do feel bad for Lily because I felt like it was her moment. Yeah. Uh, I still think it's going to be her moment, but. Also well, wanted to give it up yeah. that she was uh, out on the picket lines. I was now, gonna say, yeah, she's out in the pouring rain in Times Square. A cynical read of that is she can't promote the film right now, so this got her press. But what I know of her, and I don't know much about her, but what I've seen is I don't think she is that calculating, and I think she was just out there for solidarity, which is awesome. Yeah. Also, I mean, go for it. That's just fantastic. I want my, I, you know, I want to see actors who are having their moments get it how get them however they want to. And I frankly, am like hype her up in a second. Yeah, actually. frankly, yeah. if if the only way to make sure people are paying attention and see that she's great is that there are pictures of her on the picket line in the pouring rain being a badass, like great, I'll take it. <laughs> Uh, so I wanted to read a recommendation we got via, are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Blue Sky. Ooh. I think it's the first Blue Sky recommendation we've gotten. Meredith and I are both on Blue Sky right now. Um, I think I have a referral code if, if anybody needs one. And I've got um, a couple too, so. Hit us up if you need that. But this is from the Human Arkle. They say, only available to watch free until the 20th. Oh God, what's the date? What's the date? Oh, it's too late. Sorry. I'll recommend it anyway, though. Um, It's a Celtic folk-inspired sapphic musical. Meredith, are you writing it down? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? I wrote it down as soon as I saw the wreck. (laughs) (laughs) It's called It's All True, uh, a visual album. And my bad, it is too late to watch it for free. But, guys, did you know that you can illegally download things on Mm -hmm. the internet? Um, so it's all true Celtic inspired 
or Celtic folk inspired sapphic musical. Sounds good. Did you watch it? I did not have a chance to watch it. I was a little bit swamped with work. And because the media is the worst, I yeah. had to focus on doing that so that I can actually yeah. make some money. Um, Boo. Everything is fire. Guys, everything is so bad right now. Uh, I don't know if you've been online at all, but people lost their damn minds. Yeah, people have lost their damn minds. Can I also just take a moment to say fuck you to Apple? Not that I was a huge, huge fan, you know, of the problem with Jon Stewart. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I thought it could get a little bit. It wasn't always my bag. But I know a lot of former colleagues and some dear friends of mine who were employed by the show as researchers and as producers in different capacities. And Apple just decided not to have a third season because Jon Stewart wanted to do some topics that included, that included things like Israel and China. And Apple was like, Hmm, we're really trying to sell our phones to people in China a lot. So do they know? I don't know if this is just speculation or if maybe you have more information, but do they think it was primarily the China thing? I mean, that was literally what the story that was on CNN, like that was part of the reporting. But I wouldn't be surprised, like, it's basically illegal to criticize Israel on the mainstream media right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a good time. And I know some of the people that would have probably done the research for that story, that episode, because they have been trying to work on an Israel-Palestine episode of television for a long time. And they're brilliant, so I would have been very interested to see what they did. But I could see some people being very, very nervous on the corporate side. Oh, for sure. Um, Guys, as always, manufactured consent is relevant. Unfortunately, it's always relevant. So, of course, just fuck you, company, for deciding that your desire to maintain access to a market that you find essential to your massive fucking profits is more important than people's jobs and livelihoods and general ability to eat. So it ties in nicely, especially since it was an Apple TV plus show. So it's a streamer. (laughs) They're affected by all this nonsense. Like, just Well, I was going to say, I'm about uh, to talk about Killers of the Flower Moon, which is an Apple film. So... (laughs) Like sunrise, sunset, guys. They they are fucking bowing to China, but we uh we have Killers of the Flower Moon. Although they couldn't even distribute it, like Paramount had to distribute it because these don't streamers that, yeah. don't know or they don't have like the resources to get into the theaters. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I thought that was uh interesting. But yeah, guys, I saw Killers of the Flower Moon, and it's fucking great. And this is going to be a spoiler free. Review very general until Meredith can see it. But Which is this afternoon, so I will. This afternoon <laughs> it's happening. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Uh, my very, very general thoughts are, I think this is one of Leonardo DiCaprio's best performances. Uh, it's so, so good to see Robert De Niro in a good role again, where he is just fucking eating the entire time. And you remember that he's one of the greatest living actors. That's a wonderful feeling. Lily Gladstone, (laughs) y'all. This is the type of performance that I, every year, I'm like, I hate that we award the biggest, loudest, scenery-chewing performance. I wish we awarded subtle nuance more because that is a very, very special gift that few actors have. Lily has it. She's mesmerizing in this film. She steals focus every time she's on the screen with Leo. 
she's spectacular, but in a very, very restrained way that I hope the Academy, I shall for sure get a nomination. I really want her to win, but it is a very internal, quiet performance, but holy fucking shit. Like this woman has the poise of like a Helen Mirren like level actor. Like where I, I had seen her in other stuff before this, but I'm like, she is so on her own level. It was like a pleasure to watch her. Oh, I'm so excited. I know a few people who've managed to get to see it already um, because y'all crazy people going on opening night. Um, (laughs) And you decided that you were going to persevere despite being traumatized. Guys, we need to talk about it. I was at uh, an AMC theater. I won't say which one because it's not their fault. We live in New York City. Shit happens. Although weirdly but, enough, there are rats at the AMC here in Madison. So maybe, weird. maybe they just like movies. <laughs> They're just film buffs. They're it's like, like Ratatouille, but for cinema. Exactly. Yeah. We should write that. Um, so... I was sitting with my little snacks, getting ready to watch a fucking Martin Scorsese film in the theater. Can you believe it? We're so lucky. And I look down and there is a little mouse sitting by my boot and the mouse looks up at me and I look at the mouse and he looks at me. We make deep, meaningful eye contact. And then he ran off. And I actually, I didn't see him again after that. I think he was smart and he hid, but that's how I started this film. I was like, there's a mouse by me. And what happened to your to the woman that was sitting next to you? I think the, the so listeners deserve to know. I it was thought, <laughs> I thought I was doing my civic duty. And I'm like, this woman, she doesn't know there's a mouse here. What if the mouse runs across her feet while the movie is playing and scares her? I should give her a heads up. So I was like, hey, just so you know, there's a mouse in here. And she was like, really? And I said, yeah. And she left. <laughs> she left and she did not come back and I was like oh should I not have said anything she might have like a really intense phobia of uh rodents which I sympathize I think mice and rats are cute but I'm weird um I didn't think she would leave so I feel bad because I was like but you know she paid so they did get that money so it's not like killers lost um a viewer well they guess they did in theory yeah, although yeah. maybe she went out there and she was like, I saw a mouse, I want my money back, and they gave it to her. But Yeah, I hope, and hopefully she went to go see it somewhere else. Because here's something I want to say. Everybody should try to see this in the theater. It is like, you know, it's a Martin Scorsese film. It's beautiful, it's epic, it's big and vast, and there's an immersive quality in the theater that you just can't duplicate at home where you're like looking at your phone, you've got the lights on. I don't care how good your setup is at home. It's not the same as being in a theater. Yeah, and it's not I don't passive, know. It's not a passive movie. It's not a passive movie. It's a long movie. It's three and a half hours. So like know that going in. Um, I think it is warranted. It needed to be that long to get that like epic feel to it. There's a lot to unpack in the movie. I think. Marty does a a good job, um, but it does need to be three and a half hours. I think you do need to see it in a theater. Um, And again, guys, I hope he makes at least four more films, but I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get more. And I don't like speculating about that shit because it's fucking morbid and we should be celebrating the fact that we have a new film from him. But like, I don't know how many more you're going to get to see in the theater. So maybe take advantage while you can. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, I, I know that I'm going this afternoon. I'm really excited. We, despite it being possible to see on 
the IMAX, I believe, um, here, we are going to a different theater because we want snacks that are a little bit more varied and we want comfortable seats, neither of which exist at the IMAX. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'll keep it very broad, but if you know anything about this movie, there was like a very serious rewrite to it. Originally, it was supposed to be like the history of the FBI. Basically, it's based on a book. That is the central focus of the book. Um, And to his great credit, listen, I know we drag him a lot because he is incapable of dating anybody over 25 years old. But to his great credit, Leonardo DiCaprio got the first version of the script and went to Marty and said, I think something's missing from this. And they started talking about it. And basically what they realized is Molly, Lily's character, needs to be a much bigger part of this story in addition to, like, the Native Americans in her community and um, her family. Yeah. And, and so it's they worth went- noting that since this is based on a book that was extremely deeply researched, that was, like, the, the FBI component was the way the book was structured. So it was- Exactly. The first script yeah. was, a faithful, was a faithful adaptation- of the information that was in the book. But then we have what you said. Sorry, just interjecting. Yeah. And, you know, I was leaving the theater and there were like a pack of 20 something year old guys behind me kind of bemoaning the fact that Marty didn't really go into the history of the FBI that much. And they, they found that very interesting in the book. In my opinion, he, Marty made the right call doing that. And I'm sorry, as interesting as you think all of the FBI shit is, Marty's 100% right in that everything they did was ultimately too late for the tribe, for these people. And that is like the thrust of the movie where it's like, yeah, it's interesting that we have like, this was one of the first cases the FBI was really on, but ultimately it was too late. They were too fucking late because systemic racism was allowed to fester for so many years that well, so many people had to die. Yeah, first. that ultimately <laughs> it was like too fucking late, dude. Like, and I'm I'm so glad he realized that, you know, and looking at the material that he's like, these are not the heroes. The heroes are the Native Americans who were living within this horrific. This is a horror movie, guys. It is a fucking horror movie. The conditions that they were living in are terrifying. They are surrounded by wolves as like the teaser that I think that's one of the best teasers for a trailer ever. Can you find the wolves in this picture? Oh my God. Yes, I know. So the wolves are the white people. (laughs) It's like, it's not subtle. Right. Um, but the framing it that way is such a rewarding experience. And it seems like, you know, Marty's kind of in a conversation with himself. It seems like this is like the other side to the coin that he's been showing us all of these years where, it's not like a, a shoot 'em up gangster film. It's much more subtle. It's slower. It's much more meditative and deep. And I think it's fucking fascinating. I think you could watch it 10 times and see something new. I was just listening to a podcast today and I won't reveal what they said on it because it's a spoiler, but they said something that I had not seen. And I was like, holy shit, like that adds a whole new layer to it. So I would like to see it again because I know I missed a bunch the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm so psyched. There's just, it, in part because things have been so messy and the strike has been so ugly, it just has felt like there, you know, we haven't had stuff to be excited, like really excited about um, for months. This is, I've been waiting 
for this. And not only that, when you be excited is just when you insane. see it, and you will understand this when you see it. The previews that are attached to this, we got the fucking Marvels. Of we course. got some other garbage. And when in contrast with a Martin Scorsese film, and listen, I don't want to like rehash that tired fucking argument. There are Marvel films I really love and enjoyed. And of course, there are pretty much all of Martin Scorsese's films other than The Irishman. We don't need to talk about it that I love as well. Um, <laughs> that was a miss. It's okay. Um, but directly in contrast like that, you're like, oh, guys, we need to support movies like this because movies can be like this uh, <laughs> as long as we don't give all of our money to fucking Marvel, especially because Marvel keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Listen, I was there during Endgame. It was great. One of my top movie memories. We were all hyped. It was so fun. Since then, be honest, be honest. It's gotten bad. And people keep shelling out money. They'll keep fucking making these movies. I'm watching yeah. Loki right now. Listen, we can still find our gems, right? I'm watching Loki right now. Love Tom Hiddleston. Love Owen Wilson. It's my jam. I'm having a great time. Um, episode three, not so great. Hey, here's a big fucking surprise. Jonathan Majors, not good. Oh, shocking. No, no, I am shocked. Because really? he, he's a great fucking actor. But... And I was hyped for him because at the in the finale of season one of Loki, he was great. Yeah, he was quite scary in the the first season finale. Even I'll listen that I enjoyed the. I don't know what he's doing now. It's not good. So that Ooh. was another like shock for me, where I'm like, wait a second, he's got these horrible charges or allegations against him, and he's not even good in this role. Are you kidding me? So I don't know how they're going to get out of that because now he's just like part of the universe and they have to keep including him. But that was another shock where I'm like, oh, my God, and he's not good. So listen, they're dead in the water as far as I'm concerned. Um, so go see good movies, support good movies. You know, like I hear people bemoaning the fact all the time that Marvel is this dominant force. You ask them when was the last time they saw a movie in the theater and they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, why the fuck do you think this is happening? Thing. Not that it's like your civil obligation to support Hollywood, but don't cry about it if it's the only movies you see. See, I would argue that it is our civic duty to go to the movies because, you know, we have a civic duty to support art. But you know what I mean? Like <laughs> a budget is a budget is a budget. Like if you can't afford it, if you don't have the time, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking right. about like the other cinephiles who are like, oh, isn't it awful what's happening? And then all they see are Marvel films. It's kind of like, yeah, I mean, what do you expect to happen if there's not a huge amount of support? And it seems like Killers did well in previews. I think they made $2.5 which for previews is good. Yeah, that is um, good. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I do have other recommendations I want to get to. Get in there. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to recommend? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head, because of course I did not make a list before. And, um, I've been so deep into spooky season, just watching whatever strikes my fancy that it's a lot of catch up, a lot of, you know, old school trash. The oh, benefits, you know what we so. could recommend that, uh, goes along with spooky season? We have been watching the Chucky series. Yes, that is true. We definitely should recommend that. It is, guys, wow, it's so fun. <laughs> it is so fun and funny, so funny. Like, 
I always knew I was really scared of Chucky when I was a kid. Same. So I, I didn't watch the Chucky films until I was an adult. And then I started watching them and I was like, these are fucking hilarious. Like mm-hmm. they are so fun. They are still scary, I guess a little bit, but I don't know. The more I watch Chucky, the more I'm like, he's just a little guy. He's just a cute little guy. And sure. He may try to kill you, but look at how little he is. And like, I don't know. It, I have a completely different relationship with the character now. I think he is screamingly funny. Um, he's another and, one, you know, we've, we've yeah. made a lot of jokes about how our favorite horror characters are basically just drag queens reading people like reading <laughs> their victims for filth. And yeah, that's hugely true of Chucky. <laughs> There, there is like, I need my villain to be a huge bitch, like a huge bitch and, uh, very funny. And then I'll be invested, but like Jennifer Tilly, she just like walks on screen and I start laughing because she's she's ridiculous and I love her and I've loved her forever. And she's so funny. And I just love what I really genuinely respect about the whole Chucky mythology is how they keep the family together. Yeah. Like they use the same actors over and over and over. And listen, some of them are not good actors, but (laughs) I'm not talking about Jennifer Tilly. Jennifer Tilly is great, but some of the supporting actors are not super strong actors. That's okay. They're in a Chucky series. They don't need to be. Um, But I so respect the creators for keeping the family together, bringing people back. I'm like, man, that kind of loyalty and I'm not being cute in Hollywood is rare. And that's actually one of the reasons I got, I was always interested, but just somehow still didn't get to the Chucky series, but I was intrigued is Don Mancini is well known. He's the creator of the Child's Play series, Mm -hmm. uh, has been well known for being like keeping the entire, like larger Chucky family together. Like there are people who met on the first Child's Play because they were crew who had kids who are now crew on the TV series. Wow. Kind of like, um, that's and crazy. that's something you see where Fiona Duraf is on the TV show. You know, she was like, I don't even think she was born when the first Chucky came out. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and Brad Duraf is the voice of Chucky. Um, so you, there's an multi-generational element of it that is, really beautiful, especially since the show itself has picked up like chosen family is now like the theme of Chucky, whether it's the dolls or if it's the kids that are being menaced by the dolls. It's so gay. It's so gay. Oh my God. (laughs) It's so wonderful. Like, as you said, a huge theme is chosen family, but then like even more specifically, there are so many gay characters (laughs) and it's, wonderful because it's like obviously the relationships play you know um a huge role in in the series but they're just like really interesting characters and i don't know it's like they have queerified uh chucky so much in a really like unexpected wonderful way yeah and i there's something so delightful about watching a show that is legitimately funny that is clearly being made and written by people who didn't feel like they would ever be represented in pop culture, just doing that for themselves. Guys, I don't think this is a spoiler, but one of the storylines is that Chucky keeps taking really bad selfies of himself. And... (laughs) 
I don't think I've laughed that hard since I saw the movie I'm going to recommend next, which is Dick's the Musical. Ooh. Y'all, this is a crazy movie. Like, I am so in admiration of the fact that this film got made, but that they were, I'm going to say it, brave enough to make it. Uh, Larry Charles directed it. It is um, based on a live show, actually, that uh, Josh Sharp and Aaron Jackson performed at the UCB Theater. That was also fucking crazy. And it was called Fucking Identical Twins. (laughs) Um, And now, obviously, they've changed the name so they could get it in a movie theater. They were trying to get it named um, Fucking Identical Twins. And you know, the, the powers that be were like, we're so supportive of you. If you name the film that, uh, we can't get in theaters. So they were like, (laughs) cool, cool, cool. We'll call it Dick's musical. Um, and of course that was when they said, yeah, great. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) See, see, here's the thing in negotiations, guys, you have to come in wild, like asking for the moon because the quote unquote compromise will still be what you wanted, but they'll think they won. Mm-hmm. That's why you always come in hard. You ask for fucking identical twins. And then they're like, what if it's Dick's the musical? Which is still wild to name your movie. And they were like, I guess. You yeah, owe us I mean, though. That's like a that's like an old school John Waters move. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, John Waters, man. Any John Waters would be a perfect companion watch with Dick's the musical. Obviously, they were like tremendously inspired by John Waters. Um, but very, very loose uh, premise summary is that Aaron Jackson and Josh Sharp play identical twins, except they don't know they're identical twins. And it's also funny because they don't look alike, um, except they're like tall, thin gay men, which is why everybody always confused them at UCB. And they were like, we don't look alike, but that's funny. You think we're each other. <laughs> Uh, so they're both dicks. They're pretending, uh, to be very, very like aggro straight men, businessmen. You're never hundred percent clear on like what their jobs are, but they're in direct competition with each other. Lo and behold, they find out they are fucking identical twins and, and they're trying to parent trap their parents into falling back in love with each other. And their parents are played by Nathan Lane and Megan Mullally. Wild, wild. (laughs) Oh, and I have to tell everyone. You do need to stay for the bloopers at the end of the film because Nathan Lane has a full on existential meltdown where he's like, I can't believe I'm in this movie. But he's like laughing hysterically because I won't give away what he's doing in the scene, but like he cannot believe they've gotten him to do this. And he's just like, what is happening? And it's I was laughing so hard. Um, (laughs) Megan Mullally makes a choice (laughs) in this movie with how she speaks. And that's all I'll say where I'm like, not only are you out of your mind, this is one of the funniest performances I've ever seen. It is like such a deeply strange, strange movie. Bo and Yang plays God, everybody. In case you're wondering who plays God in this, it's Bo and Yang. Megan the Stallion, (laughs) Megan the Stallion's their boss and she has a musical number. That's awesome. And I think they are like low key trying to start an Oscar campaign for her song. I would die if Dick's the musical got an Oscar nom. Like, please God, let it happen. That is what we live for. We live for chaos at the Oscars. You know, we want Megan the stallion competing against Ryan Gosling as Ken. Beat him. (laughs) Beat him. She would never beat him, but beat no, him. No, but please. oh my God. Could you imagine him having to, if he, say if he won, having to go up there and be like, oh yes, 
I'd like to thank my uh, my fellow nominees, including Megan The Stallion. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would love to see Megan The Stallion perform it at the Oscars. Like, please let something interesting happen at the Oscars. You know, well, you also know she would look flawless. I once like earnestly texted Meredith where I was like, Megan the Stallion's ass is so impressive. Like she doesn't have a nice ass. She has like a impressive booty because she posts all of her workout videos on TikTok and I watch all of them because she's so funny. Um, and my God, that woman trains like she's a Marine. Yeah. Like and- y'all don't know how much work goes into that ass. And I actually have a friend, uh, Megan came into their office one day, Mm -hmm. um, a few years ago and she texted me while she was there and she's like, she is the most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my entire life. Bowen says that (laughs) when she hosted SNL, he's like, she's the, that's the most beautiful person I've ever seen. Like she's apparently like, cause she's so tall and she's beautiful. And she's like a goddess in person. I would simply stop living I think if I saw her I would be like I can't top this I cannot top this I'm out bye and then I would die um so yeah if you love raunchy as fuck comedy and like deeply weird comedy you simply must see Dick's the musical like it is required viewing I can't believe it's real (laughs) I can't. I was like I really genuinely confused by the text that you sent me after you had seen it because you were just like, that's the weirdest fucking movie. And I was like, in a good way or a bad way? Yeah, because I, I was kind of like no shell shocked. I was shell shocked because I was like, I can't believe they got that made. And like, who is it for? It's like for such a niche of a niche of a niche, not just like comedy people. But like alternative lefty UCB, like we're such a small, small, small audience and it's directly made for us where I'm like, I hugely admire that they did it. But I'm also like, I'm not being facetious when I say it's brave because I'm like, this is going to piss off a lot of people. Right. But you if also they get know, to see it. Yeah. Yeah. But you, I also feel like and I, I don't even know if it played here. So I'm gonna have to rent it at some point but uh it reminds me of some of the movies that came out when I was like a young teenager that ended up feeling really important to my life whether they were good or not because they yes because they showed me that there were weirdos who were creative and courageous and like yeah willing to take risks like saying oh I'll be okay because there are people out here like this. That is such a good point out there. Like this, it's going to be an extremely important movie to some very weird children. Absolutely. And And like, also if I was like, if I was a little weird gay kid and I saw Josh and Aaron, I would be like, holy shit. And I would immediately Google like what their deal is. And I would see UCB and I would be like, I got to get to UCB. Now, whether that's like, <laughs> whether UCB is a cult or not is besides the point. You meet a lot of really cool, weird creatives. And as you said, Meredith, that could be like a lifeline for someone. Yeah. And I just think this is um, the nice thing about weird movies and movies that are clearly not for everyone is that there is someone out there who it is for. Absolutely. And um, 
And that's like, it can be legitimately life-changing and we need that stuff now more than ever since mm-hmm. there has been this narrowing of, of scope in terms of what people are willing to fund, what people want to see, you know, all of these, everything that we talk about when we talk about IP, um, that it just like feels especially exciting that like we could have in the same year Dick's the Musical and Bottoms, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and it goes to show again, like the the value of a film is not box office returns, right? Because Dick's the Musical ain't gonna make no money. Like, <laughs> it's not even in that many theaters. It probably won't get like a broad nationwide release. I hope it does, but like you know, it's it's so specific. I could see a lot of theaters being like, ah, you know, <laughs> no, uh, we don't know how many people are going to want to see that, but that's not the value of the film. The value of the film is that it is, I've never seen anything like it. I cannot believe it got made. It's going to mean a lot to the people it does connect with. And yeah, you fucking weirdos. You listen to this show, watch Dick's the musical. What are you doing? I really like the songs too. <laughs> Which is important for a musical. Absolutely. As we have learned from some of the less good additions to the Disney musical live action remakes. <laughs> yeah. If Bottoms and Dicks have uh, shown us nothing else, and I did phrase it that way deliberately, it's keep it gay, keep it fun. <laughs> keep it gay, keep it fun is, is a fantastic motto. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we didn't, already have so many slogan like uh full slogans that would be another one <laughs> yes uh so should we talk about fall of the house of usher Le- yes let's do that i like this a lot i'll say I did that too. um i listen we know that Mike Flanagan um, has his bag of tricks and he he likes a long monologue for example um he has been accused of being like overwrought a lot of times. And I would say Fall of the House of Usher plays into all of that, but I think it works for this story that he's telling. And I love, you know, sometimes when they try to incorporate um, modern politics into a story like this, it can be a little eye a little crowbarred, a little forced. Yeah, yeah. But I think the Sacklers fit in perfectly into this story. Yeah, I, I definitely read after I binged the whole series, um, read a couple of reviews that dinged it for um, sure. adding the the opioid epidemic element to it, like making the family the Sacklers, essentially. Right, right. Um, but I, I think sometimes it's really okay, certainly for me as a viewer, to if you're if you're making gothic horror. I don't mind if you're obvious, like it's a Gothic horror thing, like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and the point is to watch people who are terrible get their just desserts, not to tell a like nuanced story of grief and recovery. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I yeah. I think it just fit the theatrical quality of the series I did want to specifically shout out Bruce Greenwood who it is completely wild to me that all of his scenes were emergency reshoots because he was last minute 
cast because the actor they had before him had sexual uh, misconduct allegations. Yeah, had allegedly harassed one of the other actors. Yes. And so they did the right thing. They immediately axed him and they brought in Bruce. You would never know that he was a last minute addition to this cast. I think he's magnificent. Completely agree. He's mesmerizing. He has so much. um, He communicates the like the grief and sadness and guilt and also the relief at knowing he's about to die. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, also he's, he plays off of um, Mary McDonald fantastically well. She's God, she's so good. I, there's my favorite moment of hers. And this is when I was just like, God, Mike, fuck off. But in the best possible way is she has a wig reveal. Like she takes (laughs) off her wig to reveal another wig. You thought we were done. There's another wig underneath everybody. And I started like screaming by myself in my apartment. I was like, Flanagan. I don't know if it was his call, but I'm like a wig reveal to another wig. I mean, first of all, that is a RuPaul drag race move. Like that is one of the lip sync battles, like a wig reveal to another wig reveal. You win, you know? Um, But to have that in the fall of the house of Usher, I was just like, this is so wild and I am in a thousand percent. Yeah. And I mean, if you haven't watched it, if you're curious about it, like it is, it takes several Poe short stories and uses the context of this family, this family's cell implosion. Um, like each episode gets its own Poe story that is related to somebody's downfall. And I thought that it worked really well. And there were a couple that were just outstanding and Mm -hmm. gruesome and creepy. Um, And, you know, the one we talked about this to each other, but I would say, if you do watch this, please let us know how funny you think the pansexual club promoter character is because (laughs) I have never seen someone who is supposed to be sexy be less sexy I know in my life. So I will ding Flanagan for this. He has his favorite cast of characters that he keeps bringing back. And some of them are fucking incredible. Like Kate Siegel killing it. Carla killing it. You know, um, there are others who I am not a fan of, and he is one of them. Uh, uh, Surian, I think his name is. Um, but it, you know, it's tricky. If you cast someone who's supposed to be the sexiest man in the world and he's just okay, it's sort of like you're setting him up to fail, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that was a huge miss. In my opinion, I also think Zach Guilford was a huge miss. Yeah. And I, I like seeing him in anything, but I do, I came around to what you, you were saying. He's just got a, he's got too much goodness in his performances that it was really hard to believe that he was making the choices that give away his soul. He, he was playing the young version of uh, Bruce Greenwood's character, Roderick Usher, who's the patriarch of the Usher family. So I kept waiting for him to have that transformative moment where it's like, okay, now you need to shed the goodness of Zach Guilford and become a monster, basically. Uh, And he just never got there. I don't know if he's capable of getting there, quite frankly. I've seen him in enough stuff now where I think he's very good 
at a very limited thing and you got to keep him in that lane or it gets bad. Um, but you know, I feel about him. Like I see like a cousin I like, you know, Mm -hmm. where I'm like, Oh, it's cousin Zach. And then like, he's never great. Uh, he can be reliable, but I think this just extended. It asked too much of him, you know? Yeah. But you know what? These are the things that I will still, I'm still okay with because I think like he's someone I like to see working. I enjoy, do enjoy his presence most of the time. And I dig that Flanagan's got his little actor troupe. I and do. So like, sometimes yeah. it's not gonna fit perfectly, but there's something that feels really nice. Again, I, about, I would like, argue it being a little family. I would argue it's it's nice to have that little family, but if somebody's really miscast, you're not doing them a favor by using them. That's because fair. That's true. it made I think several of them look pretty amateur, especially when compared to like Bruce Greenwood. Oh, let's give it up for Mark Hamill. Holy oh. shit, dude he's such a good actor and he just keeps getting better. The more he leans into like character actor weirdness, you know, Mm -hmm. it's Um, like when he's now that he has people are willing to cast him and let him do his crazy voice actor work in real life. mm -hmm. It's he crushes it every time. He's amazing. Um, I also wanted to shout out Willa Fitzgerald, who I was not familiar with, but she played, uh, young Mary McDonald's character. And I yeah. thought she w- actually was like perfect casting to play a young version of Mary. Yeah. She had, she had a lot of ice clean in her. I felt like that was, yeah, she was fantastic. And that's, that was a tough character to play. Like there was a high level of difficulty that was woven into really hard storyline. Yeah. Um, oh, Henry yeah. Thomas. Henry's so good in oh. as well. And he is one of, you know, Mike's regulars, but he plays this ridiculous, like aging rich guy and such with a, a ponytail with, with a, a ponytail. little ponytail, like a rat tail. Yeah. It's such a specific douchey way that is like very carefully studied that it's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure Henry Thomas is like actually around rich people like that because he seemed to like tap into it in a very <laughs> specific way that was quite good. Um, but yeah, I enthusiastically recommend the whole series, especially if you know you're a Poe fan. But even if you're not, if you don't get the specific literary references, who the fuck? <laughs> I think you'll still, Rosie Um, agrees with me. She's not a cultural elitist. You will enjoy it. Also, and here's something that I was delighted by. I didn't, it wasn't too long. Both of us were making jokes about how it was going to be padded and there would be a couple of really draggy episodes. But instead of 10 episodes, it was only eight episodes. (laughs) And I do think it helps that you have the marker of like a kid dies per episode. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's, that's exactly why I think it worked. Like they, it just had a structure that was different than his more sweeping stories like Midnight Mass say. But I'm not going to lie. And this happens with every Flanagan um, piece. I was on my phone at the end. I was just like, you know, I check out. I'm sorry. I can only do so many lengthy monologues, even if they're beautifully written, as they always are in his case, around like the eighth lengthy monologue. I did check out a little bit. It's my only note. It happens every time I watch anything of his. He goes on, you know, Mm-hmm. He does go on. <laughs> and I feel like I don't know who the editor is, but I would occur- encourage them to maybe step up a little more. Maybe um, 
make yourself known in the room. Yeah. But um, it was a – I had so much fun with it. Me too. It's it's a great time, especially a binge watch at home on a rainy day. Are you kidding? That's like a dream. I hope – this seems to be Mike Flanagan's bag, and he is actually leaving Netflix. He just got a deal to do two shows for Amazon. Um, if he keeps doing shit like this and this is what he wants to do, I think it's great. Yeah, I'm I'm here for it. We um, The traditional Mike Flanagan spooky season series, just keep it coming. Keep it coming. Directly I like this my, tradition. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a good one. And, you know, as long as he feels like he can keep up that pace, I'm here for it. Absolutely. So keeping with spooky recommendations, I'm going to lukewarm recommend Totally Killer, which I did get to see. Um, did you get a chance to see it? I did. And I I feel neutral on it. I would not yeah. anti-wreck it, but I don't even know if I would lukewarm wreck it. <laughs> I would. I think I gave it two and a half stars. Um, but again, a lukewarm recommended in the sense that your home it's rainy as it's been the last five weekends here in New York City. You don't want to go outside. It's something light to like pop in there to watch uh, in the background. Um, Kiernan Shipka, who I'm usually pretty like uh, even on, like she's okay. She was great in Mad Men and she hasn't quite been great in anything else since then. She's pretty good. She's like watchable, you know. Um, and... I did really appreciate, although sometimes I thought it was a little ham-fisted, like the cultural critiques of having somebody from like the 20, uh, 23s go back to uh, the 80s. And like, that would kind of be like a cultural shock to someone, especially when there is, and they just go for the joke, like uh, a racist uh, Native American character as your school ma- mascot, you know, like shit like that, that you would be like, oh, holy shit, that's bad, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And some of the writing was funny. It was uneven, but there were legitimately funny moments. And yeah, so I think it's like a good sort of on in the background. You want to watch something spooky, not too spooky. And uh, yeah, you know, the ending is the ending, but the ride is pretty fun. Yeah, I think I just, this is a case where it simply didn't, as far as, you know, mileage may vary, like, I just didn't get anything from it. I was really cold, like, in, I felt just really cold towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the jokes, like, the I thought the 80s jokes were particularly obvious. Yes. And um, as much as I wanted to be generous, since, like, who cares, I can watch you know, I'll watch like anything. So why would I have a problem with it? But uh, it really like, I just was kind of like, eh, okay, this happened. This was a movie. Yeah. I, when Randall Park showed up as the sheriff, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> I will watch Randall Park. And I think he's so funny and like criminally underused. Although I've been thinking about that a lot. When people say someone's criminally underused, I'm like, or are they used the right amount? But I don't know. I think Randall Park could get way more significant roles and be that funny, you know? Um, It's just his fucking delivery, man. Like he can play an asshole and it is the most like compelling, funniest thing you'll see. So I was very happy he was in this. Um, And 
I have to give it up for the casting director. Olivia Holt playing a young Julie Bowen was like chef's kiss. They look so much alike. Um, so I just thought that was like really brilliant casting. And it's got this really like fun sort of candy pop aesthetic to it. Um, you know, like in, in an extremely hokey way, like, you know, converting arcade games to time machines. Like it's such a silly, stupid movie. Um, but truly if like you need to just turn off your brain and watch something, I would lukewarm recommend it. Like it's not going to change your life. As Meredith said, you probably won't remember it like five minutes after watching it, but that's okay. Sometimes, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, 100%. I've, that's why I'm sort of like, well, you know what? This just wasn't for me, but there wasn't anything wrong with it. No, no, no. And it seems um, to know that it's like stupid and nothing, which I applaud them. You know, like not everything has to be killers of the flower moon, nor should everyone try to be killers of the flower moon. What a disaster. Um, Guys, on that note, we're almost out of time. Please follow Meredith and me on Blue Sky. And uh, I am unfortunately still on Twitter. And um, Instagram, you can find Light Trees and News. Uh, I've been thinking, I don't know if it's worth it to make a Light Trees and News for Blue Sky, but I've been thinking about it. Um, I mean, keep thinking about it. I feel like there's, I don't know if there's enough people that are on no, there still on there quiet. yet to make it. Uh, to make it worthwhile. I feel like Instagram is and such is is good. It's still hopping, yeah. Um yeah. but I don't every know. social time, media is dying and it's probably good for our brains. I was talking with someone about that the other day where I'm like, it is so funny that Elon has accidentally become our liberator <laughs> in the sense that he destroyed Twitter so much that it like got us off Twitter. And I literally don't think anything else would have gotten me off Twitter. I would have been hopelessly addicted to all of the, my <laughs> weird little online relationships for the rest of my life. Ever. And I simply shut it down. Because it is designed to be addictive for our stupid brains. And he destroyed it to the point where it couldn't be addictive anymore and accidentally set us free. Don't get me wrong. He's an evil, terrible man. This is not me praising him. I just think it is so funny that he accidentally became our liberator. <laughs> yeah. By being so terrible, it made it possible yeah. for us to to break the spell. Yeah. And lost so many people so much money. But my God, nothing else would have gotten me off that fucking app. So, I mean, congratulations. Congratulations to us all and our brains. Because Ooh. I think we need to start healing because people are becoming fucking unhinged online and i just encourage everyone to step away yeah you know step away do something kind for someone yes continue showing solidarity yeah fight the good fighting the good fights causing trouble as we like to say yes guys on that note i hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and as always until the strike is over here's ron the motherfucker who said we're going to keep this thing going until people start losing their houses and their apartments. Listen to me, motherfucker. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. Some of it is financial. Some of it is karma. And some of it is just figuring out who the fuck said that. And we know who said that. And where he fucking lives. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. You wish that on people. You wish that families starve 
while you're making 27 fucking million dollars a year for creating nothing? Be careful, motherfucker. Be really careful. Because that's the kind of shit that stirs shit up. Peace out.